our very special guest. No introduction needed. Mr. Michael Parkers. Michael, thanks for coming on. Gents, my apologies for my tardiness tonight. It's okay. No worries. Busy man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you all doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. good. A busy few days, I'm sure, for you all trying to cover Atlanta United. Just a little busy. little busy. <laughs> Just watching YouTube clips after YouTube clips or what? Right. Scouting them out, man. Yeah. Scouting. Scouting them out. But, um, yeah, Mike, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate your time. Um, I know there's a lot of excitement by our viewers and listeners knowing that you'd be coming on. So, yeah, thanks for stopping by for just a little bit. Um, before we get any further, let us know what you're up to. What's going on in your world these days? What's keeping you busy? Uh, a few things. Um, <laughs> still got Beyond Goals mentoring going with Greg, and uh, that's been um, a blast. We've uh, got a broader partnership with uh, Atlanta United Academy this year, um, thanks to Truist. And so we're excited to work uh, more with their athletes and teams um, and parents. So that'll be awesome. And then uh, still still helping out RippleWorks, a tech company. And then I uh, got the USL franchise up in Rhode Island uh, getting going next year. So uh, just helping Kano, uh, our head coach, put together the team there and uh, figure things out so we can hopefully win some games next year. So first of all, and I, I got to give, because this is different than the last time we spoke. The last time, I got I to gotta give you a shout out because you're our first guest on the Twitter Spaces show that we did uh, last year. That's actually kind of how this got started. And nice. so I got to appreciate it, by the way. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I wanted to talk like just really quick, like Rhode Island um, and then obviously this Atlanta podcast, kind of like more detailed about what are y'all doing on top of what you were already doing with Beyond Goals and then just Rhode Island, like you, you got a, a whole bunch of fans that are ready to just add on Rhode Island, I think, to their, you know, their group of uh, scarves and everything in the back. So, like, what what's going on with it? Um, yeah, I'll start with Rhode Island. Um, <clears throat> yeah, since we last talked, uh, obviously hired uh, Kano Smith as our GM and, and head coach. We got him from Birmingham. I actually played with Kano up in uh, New England. When I started off my career, we were rookies together. And, um, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a great dude and a good person, well-respected. So we feel uh, really really good about having him at the realm. Um, got the stadium being built up there. Um, but just headache after headache, um, trying to get a stadium built right now uh, or anything built right these days, but, and, and trying to get financing for it as well. Uh, so unfortunately won't be ready for next year. So we'll be at a temporary facility at a, at a college that's, which is not an un, un, unfamiliar territory for any new franchise, really. <laughs> <laughs> including uh, Atlanta United. Uh, so uh, we got that, and then we'll be in the stadium year two. Uh, so, yeah, we are putting together the team now. Haven't signed a first player yet, but have, are out scouting and um, hitting the free agency market in, within uh, USL for sure and, and scouting MLS next pro teams and uh, academies and all that. So, uh, yeah, that's exciting. And then, uh, yeah, Greg and I with the uh, – with Atlanta United's Academy, we'll, we'll be speaking more to the teams um, in the beginning of the season. Uh, we'll be trying to work more with individuals throughout their academy, whether it be some of their top prospects or guys that are just going through things that need somebody to talk to or coming back from injury um, or um, just want to 
have a chat with us. Um, you know, we're just trying to help them out in the mental space more um, and, and prepare them for, you know, the challenges that are ahead, uh, whether some guys have never dealt with confidence bouts, some guys are going through some now, you know, some guys are asked to play in different positions. Um, you know, still a lot of players haven't played against older players yet and what that entails or going into a new locker room or training with the twos or training with the first team, um, you know, just things to think about so that, um, you know, trying to help set them up for success. So that's to be fulfilling, like just, you know, getting a call and talking to someone young. And, you know, I, I know you just started this, but, you know, in five, 10 years, you're going to see some of these guys going far and that that's going to have to be just make you feel great about it. Yeah, totally. No, I mean, Noah was one, Noah Cobb was one of the first guys. Um, that was even before I started Beyond Goals. Um, you know, just having conversations with him and, and Tony Annan before he left, uh, helped set that up. And, um, you know, he, he's obviously done really well and he's, he's a awesome kid. And, um, yeah, no, I think that we, we're excited to do that. And I, and I think that was kind of on the heels of why, one of the reasons why we started it was just because of our, our experience with the first batch of homegrowns and, um, both a combination of wishing we had maybe done more to help them and wishing that maybe they had more, uh, insight into what it was going to take to be good pros and, and earn a second contract. So, um, I, I, I want to kind of have you put your defender on, defender hat on, I guess, and kind of ask you a question about, you know, Atlanta United itself. And, you know, we've kind of seen, you know, some of the issues pop up, you know, late goals given up, um, mistakes being made in the back. You know, we talk about the Cruz Azul match. Gazal Pineda saying literally it was a mistake. I guess two guys went for the same ball and the uh, attacker left wide open on the left-hand side. Brad really has no chance to make the save. Um, and, you know, these issues that kind of pop up for Lady United really match after match. Um, what is that missing piece for them defensively from what you've seen that has caused him to be one of the teams in the league that has given up the most goals, has caused him to concede so many goals. And not just so many goals, but at least stages of the matches. Like, what is kind of your vantage point on that? And how does that get fixed, I guess? Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's, it's twofold for me. One is, like, the way that we used to play with Lanny United um, – during my years was we wanted to outscore teams, right? It was like, we're, we're cool winning a game five, three, if that's what it, if that's what it takes to get three points, like we'll, we'll just win five, three or, or win five, two. Right. And so some of that took pressure off us in the back because you knew like, okay, one little mistake, right. That could possibly lead to a goal. If it does, if the mistake does happen and if it does lead to a goal, Right. And those are two big ifs, then it's okay because we're probably going to score multiple goals in this whatever said game it is. Right. And so, you know, I think when when we're not in games, and I know we've scored a, a decent amount of goals this year as a team, right? But it's kind of been in clumps. And um, you know, when that's not occurring, it's a little bit more pressure on the on the back line. Um, but also to be honest, it's just individually just seems like it hasn't been good enough. Right. And I think that especially when miles isn't in, um, you know, I, 
the partnership hasn't been great between um, the Parata and um, oh God, I'm blanking on the Chilean's name. Abram. Abram. Yeah, um, I think Abram, for whatever reason, I haven't been impressed with him at all um, on the defensive side of the ball. And, and, you know, I know it's difficult when you go into a new country and you don't play right away and you expect, I think, to play right away and you're on the bench for a long time. Like, that's difficult. And then you get a couple chances and you get subbed into games. Like, I remember him subbing against, the Na- against Nashville away. And I don't know how many minutes he played in the second half, but he was brutal. And um, like that's that's tough. It's tough to get subbed in as a center back. It's a tough ask, and you're you're. So I, I felt for him, um, you know. But as an international, you also um, oh Peruvian, sorry. Um, but as an international, you also expect a little bit more, right? And it's like you know, I think that there's been times where it's like, man, even in a three back, and you know, obviously I'm not privy to what's going on in training. Um, or how much they're training the three-back system and or the five-back, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's just like I see some things where I'm like, this can't happen, um, you know, where guys are running in between little spaces and, and they're not getting covered and, you know, two guys going for one, um, that type of stuff. Um, you know, so, yeah, it's – I don't know. It's a lack of ownership on the defensive side of the ball. Like, And, and at times they're just getting – uh, left out to dry a little bit sometimes by the uh, the midfield in front of him. Yeah, and you know it's right, Brad. Absolutely nuts, right? When it happens, I mean, we see it all the time. <laughs> yeah, you hear Brad screaming. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> like to this day, you know, I, I can only imagine because I mean, you know, it's funny because you look at it from the top down perspective, right? And you can see what's going on, but that's not always easily translatable to being on the pitch, right? But can you can you put your finger on something specifically? Because I, I've been shouting like from the rooftops on this show, the midfield, the midfield needs help. The midfield like just doesn't pick up late runners. They you know they they don't seem to be doing the effort required of what is trying to be done as a as a cohesive unit. But I mean, am I off base? Like what do, as as a guy that did it all? Like what do you see that just is it needs to be fixed? Yeah, and I think that it's sometimes it's challenging, right? The way that Atlanta United plays, for the most part, even still today, it's still spread out, right? They're pressing a lot, and and when you press at the bends, it's not only tiring because the, the, the field's big, um, but if it's not done well, like teams can play out of it. Like teams are good these days; they can play out of presses. They're prepared for the press, and the ball is so fast on that turf. That like if if the press isn't good, guy teams can play out of it, um, and, and that's no knock to the press because even even when we pressed in 17, 18, 19, like teams were playing out of it sometimes, right? It was like it was a disaster sometimes, um, and but we also had you know myself and Jeff to organize things when things broke down or you know to to help out and step into the midfield as a back three or as a number six, like Jeff, like covered so much ground, obviously, but also had the experience to read situations and foul guys and, you know, all of that. So, you know, some of it is, is that, you know, and I don't think that, listen, we don't have a number six like Jeff. 
Um, you know, I know that Franco was playing well before he was traded. Um, but even he, you know, doesn't cover quite the ground that, that Jeff did. Um, you know, and I know that Ozzy was brought in to be that player and obviously had the, the injury, um, you know, and, and probably wasn't going to be quite that player just because of his age. Um, you know, so that that's a big that's a big part of it. But when you ask the team to go press and you be spread out like that, um, it's gonna, it's gonna leave gaps. And, you know, the, the back line then has to make plays and they have to be organized enough and, and take ownership to who's going to make the play and who's going to step up and who's going to do this and who's going to do that. Some of that takes time. It takes cohesiveness. It takes the same group playing together. It takes it playing the same formation over and over. Um, and it takes training it. Um, you know, we didn't even train that a lot with Atlanta United and, and until the playoffs leading up to MLS Cup and um, in 20, uh, 2018. Um, and, and then that's why in the playoffs, our defense was so much better. So uh, really quick, I just got to ask, like, because I, I think that probably would shock some people to hear hear you say that because a lot of times, like, like I'm at the training ground and we ask, you know, Pineda, but you can ask probably, I think any coach and from the outside looking in, you would think they just need time. They just need to go to the training ground and hash it out and figure out what needs to be done. But like, it also feels like, and I've kind of felt this way for a little bit, but then maybe you reinforce it. If you've got the, the footballers that have that IQ that know what the game plan is. And it's a, it's a clear cut, obvious game plan, a back line, not just that position, but a back line should be able to know their position well enough and know their team well enough to, to essentially operate as one unit, not as three individuals or two, whatever. Right. Like I, I just, I think that's worth maybe going a little bit more detail because I think a lot of people just assume like, Oh, you know, this back line has been, you know, miles was hurt. Miles is out. Uh, Abram's coming in. he, didn't play for the first part of the season. He's coming into a new country. Parada's the only one back there, but he's still on loan. Obviously, all those are factors, right? But should they be able to operate better than the sum of their parts right now? Totally. Um, for sure. I mean, I think that we'd all expect that, no doubt. I mean, this is not like a a bunch of rookies on the on the back line, right? I mean, the three center backs are, are very well experienced. Um, so there's that, you know, Brooks is very well experienced. Um, right. So, <clears throat> um, you know, Caleb, when he's playing is, is the least experienced, but he's not even playing a lot of left back these days. Um, but I will say that a back four is a lot easier if you don't, if you don't train a lot of defensive side of the ball, a back four is much easier because you've got your two center backs playing against a striker and you've got your outside backs. They know that they're covering the wingers, right? It's like done and dusted. But then in a back five, you're the wing backs don't know. Sometimes do I go to the outside back of the other team or do I cover the winger? Right. And, and is the, is the outside outside back is the outside center back covering the winger, right? Or are they covering the striker? Um, and that's why sometimes you get pinned back in a back five covering their front three. And that's how you get pinned back. And this happened with us when I was there, right? So it's not, it's never perfect. Um, you know, and the rotation has to be perfect of like when to release the, 
wing wing back to go to their outside back and the center back can slide out right and it's that's a lot of communication when did one of the center backs step into the midfield to cover a guy because you know you might be outnumbered in the in the middle there um right those are little things that um you know take a lot of communication and, and some experience and some ownership honestly i'm curious it, it's been groundhog day for this team for a while individual mistakes i mean it's been free basically since pineda has come on and it's not getting better does eventually that come on the coach um i mean it will whether it should or it shouldn't it will um you know i think that anytime a team is not playing well it's going to go back onto the coach whether that's fair or not um you know and i will say that you know pineda's tried different things um he's tried different lineups he's tried different formations um you know has it all been perfect of course not um you know but I don't know. I really like Gonzalo as a, as a person. Um, you know, I think he's an amazing human being and, uh, I really like him. So, um, you know, I hope that they figure things out cause I'd love to see him be there for a long time and have success with Atlanta. Um, but that being said, like it's, it's gotta change soon. Um, like the, the, the team has spent too much money. The roster's you know, it's had some faults. There's no doubt, um, obviously, but it's still good enough um, to be not just a playoff team, but like have an actual chance of winning it um, or at least going for a deep run. And, um, you know, it doesn't feel like we're there right now. Yeah. And like that, they just keep whenever you have a coach in any sport and after every press conference, after every game, they're repeating the same things. Like we just have to stop making these individual mistakes. Your credibility starts going down when you're it's because it's not getting fixed every single week. And that's basically been almost every loss over the past few weeks. It's just one or two bad individual mistakes. Yeah. And the other way to look at it is like some of these games, we are playing well um right which is great right we're, we're creating chances and looking pretty good offensively and for the most part you know doing the stuff defensively right and so that's what gives you the hope and that's what's like hey you know hey if, if we can just do this little thing or that little thing and you know it gets on the players too right obviously they they feel for it too um and, I, and, I, and i'm sure a large majority if not all of the locker room respect and like gonzalo and don't want him to get fired um and so they feel it on themselves too. Right. And then I think the pressure mounts. Right. And then you're like, I, I remember there were times in my career, especially like 2016 with the crew, 2015, we lost an MLS cup, 2016, we brought back basically the same team. Um, if not even got a little bit better and we, and we could not win games. Um, we just couldn't do it. We would dominate teams and lose and, or play. Okay. And, and we just, all year long, it was the same thing. And the pressure mounts of like, God, it just seemed like every mistake you made as a defender, the other team was scoring, right? And it was like, and when, when things are going well, you can make four mistakes and they won't score a single goal or Brad will play off, you know, make every save possible or they'll just miss the goal or hit the post, right? But it just seems when you're in that, 
funk. It, that those just doesn't happen. Um, it's like that one mistake or the one thing, and it's like they're burying it. And um, I don't know why. It just feels like that's the way it's going right now. I feel for the guys sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and uh, sort of the messaging that we heard after the Chris Azul match, um, Amar Sadech saying, you know, that's football. I mean, that's a match where, kind of like what you were saying, LA United looked a better team in the second half, just that one mistake <laughs> they made in the first half. I mentioned it earlier, where Chris Azul goes up 1-0, uh, attacker unmarked. Second half, they, of course, level the match, losing penalties, but... The frustrating things like that are what we're seeing from this team. We look yeah. back and say, okay, if they hadn't given up that one goal or if they hadn't broken down at that crucial moment, this would have been a much different result. And looking back uh, at the end of the season, they're going to be kicking themselves because how many matches could have been three points instead of one or one point instead of zero? Uh, if they just had held out for another five minutes. So, no, absolutely. Yeah, and, and this isn't a, a conversation privy to Atlanta United, right? I mean, I'm, I'm I'm up here in Columbus, and the crew last year couldn't hold on to a lead in the 90th yeah. minute if their life <laughs> depended on it. Um, and, and they were a pretty good team as well um, that just literally gave up a ton of goals in the 90th minute. Um, you know, so it, it happens to good teams sometimes. And, and, you know, it's not always the 90th minute, but, um, and that's when like winning just covers things, right? It's like you win that game two one, or you even win in penalties. And it's like, all right, you kind of look past that one goal or that one mistake. And it's like, mm, it's not that big a deal. Right. But because we lost in penalties and because, uh, we didn't advance, right. Then it's like amplified. Um, you know, and that's just what losing and, and drawing games, especially at home, that's that's what it does. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, you know, I know you're in the midst of building a team yourself, so you've had a little bit of a look behind the curtain from an administrative standpoint, player acquisition standpoint, and I want to kind of get your thoughts about how that applies to MLS as a whole. Of course, Inter-Miami signed a pretty good player a few weeks ago, or several pretty good players a few weeks ago. Um, but you know, a lot of the conversation to be all serious in all seriousness, you know, a lot of the conversation is, okay, now that Messi's in the league, MLS really needs to buckle down and take a close look at the roster roles and roster composition as it stands right now. And I think that because even more evident with least cup, MLS trying to get on par with V game and keys, trying to become competitive with them. So, from your vantage point, do you f where do you see things from a roster building standpoint, especially with the World Cup coming in here, 2026, Cup America, uh, the Club World Cup especially, going to the U.S. in the next couple of years? How can MLS get to a point where the roster building mechanisms, their team building mechanisms can get them kind of on par with some of the other big leagues around the world, if not on par with Liga Emiliki's. Yeah. And that's, it's a great point. And that's, it's one of the biggest reasons I think that a majority of the league was so excited to see Matt, not, not only because he's the best player in, in the world, right. And to play against him. And obviously it's going to bring in a, a ton of new fans and revenue for sure. But when you look back, one of the, 
one of the best things that Beckham did to this league was change some of the rules. Um, obviously he didn't do it, but his presence did it. Um, and so if, if Messi's presence changes some of these rules or gets the ownership to or with the league to change some of these rules faster than they would have, like it's such a win for everybody. Like, I don't care if Miami signs half of Barcelona. Um, if, if in order for them to do it, the league has to change the rules for everybody, then it's good for everybody. Um, it is. And, and I think that, you know, it's a, it's a big, it's a bit of a joke that when like somebody like myself, we played in the league for 10 years as part of the MLSPA um, can't easily understand all the rules and explain to other people what the rules are, then it's, it's just too complicated. And so um, they need to get away with all the Tam gam buckets and just, you know, obviously raise, just raise the salary cap, allow more freedom to teams, teams that want to go after it and actually put together a, solid roster, not just a top 15 guys, right? Um, which a lot of a lot of teams do and and are kind of handicapped to do. Um, but like when you look at Tigres, like I'm I'm pretty sure Lucas Zellerion was a a role player uh for Tigres, I think, or, or a Mexican team. And uh, you know, he's so good. And you know, we need to get to that level too, where we've got guys on the bench um, and not just Atlanta, but, you know, throughout the league that are like good enough to start on every team in the league, if not, you know, in other leagues. And we can't get there right now um, just based off of the salary restrictions. And until that happens, you know, I know that we've won champions league now with Seattle, but to consistently compete with some of the top Mexican teams, um, I think that we're going to need to do that and, and we want to do that. And I think there's owners, the newer owners want to do that. It's just that there's, there's a few older owners who are holding the league back still because, you know, they've got more clout. They've lost the loss. They've lost the most money in this league and, and kept it afloat in some hard times. And so obviously we're appreciative of that, but um, you know, they also need to realize that the league wants to take off and, and they're kind of holding it back right now. Um, and so I think they will change it this year. I think they need to, uh, especially with the World Cup coming, only one full, se- two two full seasons, um, you know, before that World Cup. So you know, all eyes will be on, are on, or will be on, you know, American soccer. And so now's now's the time for sure. Yeah, and once you get towards you know the the schedule congestion, it it gets sloppy. Right. Like you don't have a lot of great players that you could put in. You see a lot of twos players in there and it's great. But with more eyes on the league and especially, you know, if Miami's playing a midweek game here and everybody's watching Messi and they're, you know, a team's resting a bunch of their players. They're not putting a lot of quality guys out there. Yeah. You know, that's when you get all these videos, which you already saw when Miami destroyed Atlanta United. MLS is trash. This is where we're at. Like you could tell how bad this league is. You've got to get the world is watching right now, like you said, and it, you've got to just get better quality here. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, they, they have to. And I think they understand that. I think they know that. And, um, you know, and like I said, that'll be the best thing. It's funny. We, we've we worked so hard as a, as a players association to fight for some rules. And then 
you know, Beckham comes in and we get DPs and COVID hits and all of a sudden we've got charter flights and hopefully now Messi comes in and it's like, these are things we, we fought for for years, never got anything. And it's like, oh, Beckham gets this. Oh, okay. Because of COVID. Okay. Oh, all of a sudden we can fly charters all the time. Okay, cool. Um, right. And it's like, yeah, fine. If, if Messi coming in is going to tilt the, the board a little bit towards Miami, don't care as long as all these changes uh, come in for everybody and, and help out everybody in the long run. And it, and it should too, right? Because MLS, you know, I think the argument is always, well, we want parity, you know, we want things to be close. We don't want it to be a, you know, Man City type, you know, Premier League or, or Barcelona, Real Madrid type La Liga. Yeah. But if you don't allow things to open up, I think to a degree, then you're kind of going backwards. Actually, I think you're really like, yeah, it, it may look good for Miami the first couple of years. It's fine. You have Messi. You have the best player in the world. But if you're not then allowing the teams that Messi's playing against to fight back, in a sense, then the worldwide audience that you're gaining isn't going to stick around. They're not going to want to see a subpar product by the time Messi leaves in a couple of years. So yeah. I, I think that that's the other, I think my only counter argument is, yeah, you, you have to, you've got to open it up at some point. And if there's a time to strike while the iron's hot, this is it. Totally. And, you know, nobody wants this to turn into the Scottish league, right? Where you've got two giants and the rest yeah. of them are just like trash. Yeah, for sure. um, <laughs> no offense to the other Scottish teams, yeah, it's uh, true, yeah. you know, but, yeah. or even, you know, the Bundesliga in, in the past few years has gotten better, but you know, you know what I'm saying, right? We don't want the top heavy in the bottom where it's like, you know, you've got the team that's never going to be in the top half or things like that. And and that's where you can, you know, put a floor in for spending. Right. And or something where it's like, you know, keep a keep a gap. And I'm not saying get rid of a, uh, and I don't think it ever will get rid of a salary cap completely. Um, but just having a more flexibility within the salary cap. So, I kind of wanted to, well, actually, let me ask you this first with your new venture with Rhode Island. Are you having to deal with any of the same kind of stuff or are they fairly free with your ability to go out and get players? Yeah, pretty free. Really? Yeah. Pretty free, which is nice. There's no, I mean, there's, you know, a capped number of foreigners, um, but there's no cap or anything. Um, there's no buckets of money or anything. And, um, you know, we're free to, go get any MLS player, USL player, foreign player. Um, yeah. So that, that part makes it a lot, a lot easier when you're trying to plan and, you know, have an idea of where you want to spend your money and how you want to spend it. And it's, and it's going to be in league one, the USL championship. It is going to be championship. Okay. Yeah. Um, so just really quickly, how has the conversation? Cause it, I mean, you're still in the development of this team and now they're talking about adding, promotion and relegation what has kind of been y'all's thoughts on that yeah it's it's exciting um you know i think that it's still a little bit a ways away i think this vote that's occurring soon is just to vote on if it's still worth uh exploring even deeper meaning are meaning if if they do the exploring and find out that you know it's it's good and it's great are we going to have enough votes to even pass it um otherwise we're not going to spend the money to 
to explore it further. Um, so I'd envision that they'll get the votes and that they'll explore this further with the hopes of implementing it before the World Cup um, at some point. Um, you know, I think that, you know, that's that's one of the benefits of not having um, and, and the fees for USL championship are, are moving up for sure. Right. But it's not going to happen with MLS where you've got a franchise fee of $500 million and, and you could get relegated after one year and, you know, go down and play USL championship teams. Right. It's, it's unrealistic. Um, so USL's got the best chance of uh, implementing a system like that. Um, you know, especially if they grow the championship currently to 30 teams and then split that into two or something like that. Um, right. Because some of the, even some of the league one teams um, probably aren't at the place where they could get promoted and, you know, sustain that. So, um, you know, I think that that's what they'd have to try and do. Yeah. I think if that goes through, I think you'll get a lot more eyes on the USL um, and maybe, um, you know, right now they're with ESPN Plus, I believe. I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. maybe more opportunities with television and media um, attention on the league. So, yeah, we'll have to see what comes of that. Um, real quick, and going to try to wind it down in just a little bit. Uh, we can't let you go without talking about the Women's World Cup. I mean, you have a daughter, I'm sure, is very into it, I'm sure. But grip, grip status is over. Knockout stage is coming out on Saturday against Sweden, a very formidable opponent. Um, have you had to had a chance to watch a lot of it yourself and what have been your impressions of what you've seen thus far? And what are the U.S.'s chances of making it maybe to a third straight title? Yeah, I watched the first two games. <clears throat> um, I did not uh, wake up at 3 a.m. for this past game. Um, <laughs> Can't say I blame you. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I think that um, I get some of the the chatter that I'm seeing and hearing about their their play. Um, it hasn't been uh, clear. Obviously, the first the first game is uh, a far inferior opponent. It's too easy. You know, obviously, they should have scored probably eight goals. Um, and they didn't, they just weren't sharp enough in front of the goal. Um, and that happens sometimes, um, you get it. Um, you know, but I don't know, I'm a little bit nervous, uh, going into this last game. And I know that the, the woman caught some heat, um, for after the Portugal game, kind of celebrating a little bit or dancing a little bit. And for me, my take on that is I have no problem with it. Um, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to advance out of the the group stage in the world cup. It's obviously their goal is to win the championship because that's their level. Um, but step one of that is to get out of the group and they got out of the group and was it perfect? Nope. Um, does it make their road probably a little bit harder? Yeah. Um, but if they're the best team in, in the world, then it doesn't matter. Um, and like some of their stuff about like, you know, their swag and their style and they're taking the pictures before the game and stuff. I have no problem with that. Right. As long as like when it's time to show up and play that they are the typical U S women's team that has got not only the swagger, but like that killer mentality of like, we are going to destroy you. We're going to score goals and and we're going to bury you. 
Um, and so obviously we didn't see that against Portugal from, you know, what I've caught up on afterwards. Um, so that, and in a, in a kind of a big game, all <laughs> right. If that ball hits off the post and goes in, right, they're out. Uh, so, um, I do expect that they'll rebound. I think that they know that they haven't played their best and right, you get out of the group stage, not having played your best. Right. I look at that as a, I mean, maybe I'm just a positive person, right? But I kind of look at the bright side, right? You know, you haven't played your best yet and, and you're going to the group stage. Not having Rose Lavelle is hurts. Um, she's a baller. Um, you know, I think, you know, Alex Morgan needs to step up. Um, you know, she needs to be a leader on this team that she is. And they need to be able to rely on her to, you know, not only hold up um, the balls, but she needs to score. Um, and so that's got to happen if we're going to have success, we're going to win. Uh, so, um, I do think that they'll have a good performance against Sweden. I, f I feel good about it. I am going to wake up at five and watch that game. It's a big <laughs> one. Uh, so I'm excited for it. And then, uh, just super quick. I mean, Republic of Ireland make it the world cup for the first time. So I'm sure you're happy to see that as well. Totally. Absolutely. Love, <laughs> love a good Irish, uh, presentation there at the world cup and honestly yeah. i mean you know it's it's been an exciting world cup i mean there's been a lot of upsets and, and seeing jamaica get through uh yesterday was awesome um you know the panama goal against france i mean you know it's just like you know some of these Concacaf teams doing well it's it's awesome um you know and brazil some of these... getting knocked out sorry brazil getting knocked out yeah brazil getting knocked out and um you know and even norway had a tough time and uh who else got knocked out somebody else big got knocked out oh we were just talking about it earlier and i just had it pulled up um come on y'all help me out that going it's gonna drop it up <laughs> i wake uh, up for the u.s only uh, <laughs> oh, canada canada was a, a canada, canada, canada yeah it was a big canada. one a big yeah, team and uh you know so you know it's been a fun world cup for sure um it's been exciting and so you know, obviously anything can happen here, but, um, yeah, I, I haven't lost faith. Am I, am I nervous, more nervous than I would be if they went three and zero in the group? Of course. But, um, you know, Holland's no joke. At least they turned around and took it to them in the second half. So that was good. Um, you know, and hopefully they'll, they'll bring out that killer instinct here for against Sweden. All right. So just a couple of quick things to wrap it up. Cause I know you're super busy. Want to be, you know, responsible with your time and everything for sure. Um, you're up in, you said you're up in Columbus right now, right? Okay. Yes. Yep. Never know, man. The Rhode Island, Atlanta, you come back yeah, down to Atlanta anytime soon. I had Julian, uh, over for dinner, uh, last week He's, uh, that, as well. Ah, and then he, <laughs> and then he went out and had a killer game. Yeah, so, I know. Yeah. As expected. So <laughs> I guess that ties into this question because everybody's always asking it. Um, how much money do we need to pay you to come back to help out? <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, I would, I could not help out the defense right now. Um, I mean, I guess maybe as a coach I could, but not, not as a player. Um, but you know, coaching's not in my near term future. That's for sure. It's too, really? de too demanding, uh, too much time away from the family. That's yeah. not what I'm looking to do right now. Totally understand. Um, so then I just got to ask because it's I obviously see you on soccer down here, Jason's show, you know, John's doing everything with it. Um, and it may have been asked on there. I don't get to watch them all the time, especially now that we're doing this, the ball that you have behind you, 
what what's the significance uh so this ball is uh olympics okay so that's, uh 2008 olympics and then the other ball is uh first professional game uh with new england signed by the nice. guys nice 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 okay yes always wondered it's always been <laughs> bugging me uh, it wouldn't make sense to ask you on like Twitter spaces because nobody can see it, but I had to ask now. <laughs> yeah. And I know the, the field behind me is uh, a teammate of mine at Wake Forest. That's a, a picture of a Spry Stadium at Wake Forest. And then kind of a quote here on the side that he made. And it's like saying like uh, the real education we got was uh, right here on the field. Um, mm, that's awesome. Like that. So um, it's a cool picture. Sweet. How often... Yeah, just real quick, how often do you get back down to Winston-Salem in the Carolinas? Pretty often, or? Um, definitely once a year. Um, yeah. Try and get down twice a year. But um, definitely get down in the fall to see a game. If not for homecoming, then catch a game yeah. at some point. They always have a good team. and uh, I'm, I'm very close with Bobby. Um, Bobby Muse, the head coach down there. So, uh, yeah, um, at least once a season. All right, sounds good. Yeah, nice area down there. You know, as a former Charlotte resident, um, can speak to um, the beauty of the Carolinas. And then Coach B saying, "Parkers, please sign my jersey." So I don't know who that is. <laughs> um, Friend of yours or? Nope, big fan down here. Oh, uh, just a big fan. Here in the chats. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, I, I don't think any meet and greets really on the on the. <laughs> on the docket right now i'll be down i'll be down in, in, a, in a few weeks to do some stuff with the academy and then uh, nice. i always do the thanksgiving camps down in uh, atlanta yeah with, uh kevin kratz and mikey ambrose and greg arza uh alec can so we do those thanksgiving camps so um you know that, that might be a, a good opportunity as well yeah parky uh up north i'm a couple hours uh, above you in cleveland Oh yeah, they've got a they've got a USL and NWSL team. They're they're working on here too. Yes, I did see that. That's awesome. Yeah, they're trying to grow it in Ohio. Yeah, soccer is spreading like wildfire. Crazy. But, uh, two of the newest and best stadiums in MLS are both in Ohio, or two of them are in Ohio. Yeah, they're both beautiful. <laughs> no. Yeah, they are. They are beautiful grounds. Beautiful grounds. But um, yeah, it is spreading and. Um, 2026 will be here before you know it. Um, Mike, really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Um, open the invite. You're welcome back anytime. But um, appreciate your insight. Appreciate your time. And we will talk to you soon. Sounds good, gents. Thanks for having me.